sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. I thought hurricane season was over here in South Florida, but it's 2020, so they surprised us with another little tropical storm here today. But that's not going to stop us from taking care of you in fantasy, reality, and wagering. I'm Craig Mish. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Joe PZPNI, every day, Monday through Friday, we have you covered for two hours covering you in fantasy football. Talking, of course, about all the other sports, baseball's hot stove. We have the Masters coming up this week. And Joe, certainly uh, Saturday was one of the more exciting days for college football as well. For, for fantasy purposes, we saw some high-scoring games yesterday. We saw some disappointing outcomes yesterday. And, of course, we got some injuries to discuss as well. So good afternoon. Yeah, a lot of delays before decisions and finality on Saturday, but eventually we got there. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about the Notre Dame game, right? Of course, that's what I'm talking about. But, Craig, hurricanes are the price you pay for living in paradise down in South Florida. So, you know, you got to take the good with the bad here. You know, it's just what it is. It's going to be 60 degrees probably in February there. While I am still wearing several layers and numerous hats to cover my ball dome here. But it was a fun weekend of football and the emergence of a Tua-Kyler-Murray rivalry. I don't know. But one can dream. It was a great thing to see there. And who knows? Maybe the Cowboys are starting to get feisty again. We shall find out. But certainly uh, Sunday night's game <clears throat> had a lot of uh, implications, one might say. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, that was the worst game of the whole year. The worst football game of the season, I think, <laughs> last night. Well, one-sided. That, that, the most one-sided, perhaps. Oh, oh, it's worst, I mean, but, but 15 minutes in, you thought, oh, the Saints may win. 25 minutes in, you could turn it off. And that's what I did. I mean, it was once once the half came, it was it was not worth watching. But mm-hmm. we'll get to that game when we cover all of our games one by one here on the show and go through the fantasy implications. But first, let's go through our headlines here on FST here for this Monday, November the 9th, 2020. We got the Buffalo Bills winning a very big shootout with the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle just did not seem ready for this game and traveling cross country. Maybe that's to do with it. But uh, Russell Wilson's worst game of the season by far. And give credit to the Bills, Josh Allen. Allen, all of a sudden, right back in that MVP conversation. This is going to be a race right to the end. And if two players who are basically the favorites in the MVP faced off, guess what? Josh Allen won. So maybe he ends up being him. We'll see. The Pittsburgh Steelers remain undefeated. It was shaky. It was not clear. But they ended up beating Dallas in the end. They're now 8-0 on the season. The Kansas City Chiefs needed basically every point to beat the Carolina Panthers. Panthers' offense is tremendous. Their defense can't stop anybody, but they can hang with anybody in the NFL. This is back-to-back weeks of almost taking down yep. the Saints and the Chiefs. So congratulations to the Panthers, even in a loss. But we will have some news on them that isn't so great coming up. Uh, Kyler Murray had the best fantasy quarterback day of 2020. I mean, there it is. Best day of 2020 for anyone in the NFL yesterday. And we'll talk about him later in the show. And also, of course, the Chargers. Heartbreaker in the end to the Raiders. <laughs> I thought they were going to get even, Joe, for that loss last week. It looked like it, right? One second left on the clock, throw a ball to the end zone. They're celebrating. Chargers Twitter says we won, but no. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. The they actually tweeted it? I didn't even know that they tweeted it. Oh, yeah. Actually ha- oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't oh, yeah. know that. That was rough. Oh, you can't. You got to wait for the results. We got to get the final stuff before you start taking victory laps. That goes for everyone out there. Oh, my goodness. But I will say this. Um, Josh Allen's grandma passed away on Saturday. And, 
you know, the coach gave him a chance to not play the game. He wanted to go out there and play. It was a very emotional day. He broke down after uh, in the press conference a little bit. And uh, this was a huge win for him, a huge win for the Bills, who needed to really get back on track, I think, a little bit, get that confidence back a little bit. It was good that John Brown looked healthy again. Uh, you saw Zach Moss running the touchdowns. This was a big, big win here for Buffalo, kind of turning things around. They start off like a house on fire, then they kind of went down a little bit, and now he's back in the MVP conversation. Now they're back in the playoff conversation. All of those things are going in the right direction now. And you got to take a pause here with Seattle just a little bit, Craig. This is the second road loss for them in a row. Arizona, now Buffalo. Now I know there might be no more home and field advantage right now in the NFL, but I don't know. I think this is something that Seattle's got to figure out here. I know defensively they've had some issues and some challenges, but you got to play a little bit better on the road here if you have big-time aspirations down the line. Yeah, the good news for them is the conference is weak overall. So, I I mean, there really aren't a lot of teams that I think that can challenge them toe-to-toe, and if they get the home field throughout, then I would think they have a shot to at least get there. But being the favorite to win the Super Bowl or even the NFC at this point, probably, I I would say, saying a lot. I I don't really know what happened yesterday, honestly. I watched the game pretty closely. It just looked like their defense couldn't stop anyone, and Wilson was getting rushed like crazy, and they were all over him throughout the game. And so Buffalo's defense did not play well the week before. They showed up this week. It's a week-to-week league. Things happen one week that you don't expect. In this one in particular, Seattle was only three-point favorites. I told you the game could be close, but it really wasn't. Buffalo did dominate this mm-hmm. game from start to finish. Uh, also, we mentioned uh, you mentioned very early, we'll hear from Tua coming up a little bit later. Uh, Cardinals-Dolphins, uh, Joe, was one of the better games played yeah. also this season. A, a really wild game to the end. Uh, I'm not sure about the coaching with the Cardinals. Like Some of the decisions that they make and the play calling mm-hmm. is very bizarre. Timeouts, bizarre. I think they should have won this game. It was one of the games that we had in the Super Contest. I was disappointed to lose because I thought Arizona was the clear winner in this one. But I give the Dolphins credit. Another defensive touchdown. I guess it's not luck. It's skill. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this, too. Watching what I saw that game, too, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it felt a very college-style football game because of the athleticism at quarterback and, you know, some of the the option stuff that you were running and things like that at certain times. And and that just kind of had the feel, at least for me. And it seems like that sort of style of play is becoming for the first time really relevant in the NFL because you have these kind of quarterbacks who have such incredible athleticism they can actually make it work. Yeah, Murray was the best I've seen in the NFL this year in one game in particular. He deserved to to fare better in that one, but uh, didn't happen. All right, we got our fantasy standouts coming up next. We'll go through everyone and who did what right here on Fantasy Sports Today, so make sure you stay on the grid. We'll be right back. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. As we go through our fantasy standouts from the top to the bottom, we'll go game by game here on the show. But first and foremost, Joe, it was really a good quarterback day for several signal callers, I think, yesterday. We mentioned Mm -hmm. Kyler Murray. We'll spend some more time on him coming up. Unfortunately, they lost. But in wins yesterday, maybe we should be talking about Patrick Mahomes as a possibility for MVP again. It's not Mm -hmm. fun. It's not sexy. It's not the cool thing to do. But if you're looking at three players who are right at the top right now, I don't think that there's any question that it's got to be Allen. It's got to be Wilson. 
it's got to be Mahomes. I think those three are probably at or near the top. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue it's not. I think we're going to look back on this era and we're going to see some great quarterback play, but it's probably going to be predominantly known as the Patrick Mahomes era. And I think these 10 year span is going to be his basically. It just feels like it. And and I think it kind of encapsulates for me in that trick play that they ran in the red zone yesterday. I don't know if you caught this one or not, where it looks like Mahomes is starting to walk off the field. Then he runs back, gets the snap, runs in the other direction, and then throws a touchdown pass. And you're just watching it. You're thinking to yourself, this isn't right. Like, no quarterback should be able to do this, make this look so easy. And even though the odds are probably still not that great in terms of, you know, what you can make on this sort of investment, I'm kind of like you. After yesterday, I'm kind of sitting back and saying, if I had to vote right now, I'm going to vote for the consistency. And the consistency every week that I see is that of Patrick Mahomes. Now, you could also say that he's had some really good uh, defenses to play against the last couple of weeks. Carolina is still a very young defense. They just put up a ton of points against the Jets, and all of that's fair. But then again, they also went into Baltimore and handled their business. Let's not forget that. So I think that you could absolutely right now make the case, the argument, if you will, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP and I've been the guy of on the Russell Wilson train before everything going but when you start taking L's like this two road games in a row it's kind of tough I think it knocks the momentum and as much as Josh Allen got back into the conversation he's had some inconsistencies too I think this is Wilson I think this is Mahomes and right now I think after week nine I think Mahomes might have gone right ahead of Wilson by just a hair for me yeah, and, and Aaron Rodgers in that conversation, too. I think the great sure. thing about it, as we stand here on November the 9th, is we don't know. And I think at this time last year, I mean, Lamar Jackson was pretty obvious in terms of what he was going to be. Uh, I mean, he was having an unbelievable year, a historical year. And that usually happens in the NFL. You have a clear favorite. You do not. It could be any of four or five players in 2020, which is a cool thing to have. So go to FanDuel and check out those odds. We'll talk about them a little bit later in the week. All right, our fantasy standouts, Patrick Mahomes, speaking of him, 30 of 45, 372, and four touchdown passes. These are That's pretty much his stat line every week. Josh Allen, after a few lackluster weeks, bounced back big time against the Saints, 31 of 38, 415, and also mm. 14 rushing yards, and uh, four touchdowns on the day, incomplete. What a great day for him. Hey, Dalvin Cook, NFL's leading rusher. Again, here we are, 22 carries, 206 rushing yards, two receptions, 46 yards, and two touchdowns. I don't know if they all count, though, Joe, because the Lions only had 10 men on the field for his 70-yard touchdown, so not a good job by Detroit, to say the least. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, 18 carries, 69 rushing yards, 10 receptions, 82 yards. Back to 30-point Christian McCaffrey in fantasy for at least one week. Unfortunately, the news with him this morning, we'll talk about later in the show, looks like he could be questionable for this week with a bum shoulder. And, of course, with Carolina being out of the race, it looks like at this point, maybe back to Mike Davis again. At wide receiver, DK Metcalf, and basically a perennial guy on our list here. Seven receptions, eight, 108 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Hey, DJ Chark made the list. Seven receptions, 148 for him, and a touchdown. Jake Luton was pretty effective, I would say, for the most part. Made some mistakes as a rookie did, but if you compare him to other rookie quarterbacks, you would have to say overall had a very good first start. And Travis Kelsey for Kansas City at the tight end position. Nine receptions, 113 yards and two touchdowns. But the McCaffrey news definitely is the big news of the day, Joe, here, because after getting this great performance and getting him back on the field, I hope, I sincerely hope that people did not cut Mike Davis. Usually in fantasy, I think most people are smart enough to give it like a couple weeks before you make that call and mm -hmm. say, okay, it looks like McCaffrey is back. But my gosh, if you're waking up this morning and seeing 
that McCaffrey could be out and you cut Mike Davis on the weekend, oh man, you may not be able to get him back. Uh, that's not a good scenario for sure. Uh, it also, I think, really hurts McCaffrey's long-term value here because now what's going to happen, let's say he misses a week or two now with a shoulder issue. Here's what happens now. Into the site, he begins to creep. Oh my goodness, all the workload, everything's starting to catch up with him. I'll, I'll make the equivalent, a baseball equivalent, if you will, to the Tim Lincecum. Oh, he's so small. He's so dominant. He's so unbelievable. He's the best pitcher in baseball, right? But people always saying, well, but how long can it last? How long can it last? Well, are we in that same precipice right now with Christian McCaffrey? And I don't know the answer to that. I hope we are not. I don't think we are. But regardless of what I think, the narrative is going to be out there all over of, okay, here we go. These two years now, the workload caught up with him. We said it would eventually. Everybody thought it would because of his size and stature. And here it is now finally catching up to him physically. As much as he works out, as much as he's in incredible shape, you know and I know football is a very tough game. And I think it takes its toll on guys physically. So now that narrative is going to be out there for better or worse after this season with McCaffrey. It's going to hurt his redraft value, and it's certainly going to hurt his long-term asset value in dynasty leagues, whether it's fair or not. Dalvin Cook, on the other hand, I think is in the inverse right now. That's a stock that's just going through the roof right now, and I'm so happy to see it. Dalvin Cook was my favorite running back in that same class with McCaffrey, and he took a lot of crap because he had fumbled the ball a little bit in college, and a lot of people didn't think much of him, and I was one of those people frustrated in year one that drafted him, and he got hurt, and then I drafted him again the next year everywhere because I got an even bigger discount, and he got hurt again, and I had to suck it there, too. It sucked. It was terrible. And here we are finally. It feels like Dalvin Cook got his extension. He got his money. And don't look now, but the Vikings are in control of their own destiny. Another W. I know you hate this narrative, and I'm going to ride this and have fun with it until it crashes and burns. And it might crash and burn in week 10. But at least another week, the Vikings are still alive. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. If if teams are only going to play 10 guys on defense against <laughs> Dalvin Cook, you're going to run for 200 yards every week. You can play 12 that guys is, and not. You can play 13 guys and I mean, not stop sad, them. What a sad thing to happen in an NFL game. You don't have enough guys yeah. on the field. Like, you never see that in the league. And and th- and Matt Patricia's a defensive guy, too. And, and, and basically, they had the 10 guys on the field when he scored the 70-yard touchdown. So I don't think that that's a coincidence, but... Really weak, really weak. I, I guess I guess with the Lions, it's just this win-lose back and forth and hope they get to eight wins. I mean, I don't think that they're going to win any more you know than what? that. They're going to go into the last game of the season with seven wins. I guarantee it. That's, that's, Probably, that's how it's going to be. They're going to need that last game, I think. You know what I think is frustrating, Craig? Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, but I feel like it's, what's frustrating with them is I think people who know football, you watch that team play and you see the talent at times. You see Kenny Galladay. You see, you know, Stafford being able to do what he does. On the defensive side, there's a couple guys there who, you know, are, are, are pretty decent. But the problem is, collectively, like you just said, like, how do you not have the proper men on the field? Like, it's it's these little things. How are you not prepared for XYZ situation? It does come down to the coaching. And I think that, you know, Patricia's going to end up in, in that same bin as a lot of other guys of the Belichick tree who just did not pan out. And it's unfortunate, but it just seems to be true. And I think that's the that's the divide. The divide is it's very difficult for if you know and you and you know what you're watching when you and you're an informed football fan or an analyst and you watch every week with the Lions, you see the potential, you see it there. And I'm sure the Detroit Lions fans see it too. But the frustration comes from the execution or lack thereof. The frustration comes from the falling apart at the worst moments. And and I think that just becomes a, a big cross to bear and it's very difficult to watch. Yeah, they'll probably bounce back and win this week. That's just who they are. <laughs> they, they, they take weeks off, they come back, they win. 
you know, that's just part of, of the inconsistency, I guess, of, of them and betting on them or against them for sure. No doubt. All right. Well, we have Chris coming up with the update next, and then we'll start diving into our game capsules. Also, just a reminder, this weekend I was watching all of our shows over at sportsgrid.com. You can click on our links, including our YouTube channel. You can like and comment on our shows either live or on demand. And specifically, when you're watching shows like In Game Live, which is basically a three-hour, four-hour show that we do every single night, you actually can write to the hosts and comment during the show, just like a radio talk show of some kind. But this is TV, and you basically can ask questions, write. They have the uh, server up there to tell you what's going on in and out of all the games. We'll have it tonight, of course, for Monday Night Football. And then guess what? College football is back on Tuesday night tomorrow. We've got Mac action on Tuesday and Wednesday, college on Thursday and Friday as well with Pac-12. All right, we got to take a quick break for Chris's update, and then we will talk about some of the games that were exciting and unfortunately some of the games that were not fully expected Saints Bucks to be our top story today. Talk about it next, but it'll be quick. Talk about it for you now. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, Sunday night was football night in America, and it looked like it could be one of the better games on the football slate. Turned out to be the worst football game of 2020. It was over very quick. It was uh, one of those non-painful games to watch. You knew who it was uh, going to be over <laughs> within the first 10 minutes of the game. And so basically, I think I made it till the second quarter. And I kept walking away and coming back and seeing the Saints with the ball and just pretty much assumed <laughs> that that was it. And so, but the only disappointing part is that, look, a, a bad game can be a good fantasy game, but it was not. You just didn't get anything from Tampa Bay in the second half. I just, like, no garbage time whatsoever. But here are the ugly numbers. Tom Brady, wow, 22 of 38, three interceptions and 209 passing yards. The worst game I could recall him playing since I saw him play against the Dolphins in his debut, and I was there. Leonard Fournette, oh, man, like just no running game whatsoever uh, from Tampa Bay. Nothing from Jones, nothing from Fournette. They rushed the ball five times, an NFL low record in the history of the NFL. That's true. Six receptions, 41 yards. So if you played Fournette, yeah, you got 10 points. Mike Evans, you got 10 points. Chris Godwin, you got seven points. Just uh, just crazy to think that they couldn't do anything down 30 points. Antonio Brown's debut, six points in fantasy. So that's the bad news. Here's the good news. If you played all your Saints, you actually did okay. Well, most of the guys did okay. Uh, Drew Brees, 26 of 32. A lot of passing yards, also four touchdowns in the game. Taysom Hill, of course, played quite a bit. Two of two passing, 48. Seven carries, 54 rushing yards, also one reception for 21 yards. He'll probably be even a bigger part of the team, I would guess, next year. Alvin Kamara, nine uh, carries for 40 yards, five receptions for nine yards, also scored a touchdown. So he ended up getting uh, pretty much uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 fantasy points. That was okay. Michael Thomas is back for the first time in a long time. He got 10 fantasy points. And then Adam Troutman also picked up a touchdown in this one. And if somebody dared to play Traquan Smith, he was heavily involved for some reason in this game. Traquan Smith decided to go off in the home game that you wouldn't expect him to with Michael Thomas back. But here we are. So this is the two times that maybe the Saints just have the answer to the Bucs this year. Because the Bucs have looked good against everybody else. And they have not looked good against the Saints. And so I'll just chalk it up to that. 
I think that when I look at the lines moving forward, especially for this week, I may just jump on Tampa Bay no matter what this week because I think that they'll wake up. They'll be better. Uh, I, I don't know why they didn't show up and play that game at all last night. But to me, the shocking part of it, Joe, was the second half. Because when teams are mm-hmm. up by 30 and 40 and whatever it is, you fully expect to get some garbage time fancy points. But they were just completely out of sync. There was garbage, but no time. It was a whole lot of garbage. No. I watched the third quarter. I actually came back because, like you, I wanted to see. I was like, okay, let's see what they're made of. Let's see the adjustments. Let's see if they can come and make this one close. Because Tampa's had that happen before, where they got behind a game or two, not quite this bad, and then came roaring back. So I wanted to see. I didn't see it. It wasn't there. It did not exist. Uh, also, some fun stats here. Uh, Brady, 0 for 6 with an interception on any pass over 20 yards in the air. Anything that he's throwing deep looked like lollipops, terrible, awful, no good. Also for the season, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe their kryptonite is the New Orleans Saints because Brady's got two touchdowns and five picks against New Orleans this year. Against the rest of the league, 18 touchdowns and two interceptions. So perhaps they just got the team right. And I don't want to trivialize this and make it seem like really simple, but watching New Orleans with Michael Thomas back, and we haven't seen it since the last time they played Tampa. It just changes everything for them. It, Michael Thomas on the field is such an important piece that you have to defend against. It just opens up for everything. You can have all your fun Taysom Hill stuff going on. Alvin Kamara is always going to do what Alvin Kamara does. But you see the other guys getting involved in the offense, like Traquan Smith and the tight end and everybody else. And you're thinking, wow, look at this. Look at the New Orleans Saints. They look like the New Orleans Saints. Why? Because of the presence of Michael Thomas. Whether or not he had a big fantasy day, it didn't matter. His presence on the field mattered. And maybe it is just this. Maybe there will be a third time. We'll see these two teams match up here in the playoffs. I don't know. But it was shocking to see how decisive. It was so shocking, Craig, that we were watching downstairs, me and my kids. They scored a touchdown. It was, the I think, the touchdown to the tight end at the time. We came back upstairs. They were brushing their teeth. And, uh, you know, people were talking upstairs, whatever. They came in to my room. I was watching the rest of the game. And there was another touchdown. They said, wait a minute. Is this the one that just happened? I said, no, this is this is another one. In the time it took him to go upstairs and brush their teeth to get ready for bed, they scored again. It was absolutely bananas last night. Yeah, that, I just the the second half was just a debacle. I just I, I can't believe they didn't score or get any yards. Nothing there. So uh, we led with that game today, thinking it'd be good. Next time we'll do better. All right, now let's go to some good games here: <laughs> Buffalo and Seattle. Josh Allen, who we discussed in our fantasy standouts, threw for over 400 yards, four touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. He was fantastic. Zach Moss was the primary ball carrier in this game for Buffalo. Nine carries, 18 rushing yards, two receptions, 30 yards, and a touchdown. Also, uh, last week on the show, I said Devin Singletary, the guy doesn't get any goal line carries. He did. He got a goal line carry. He got stuffed. Just want to make sure I mention that. I saw that happen live and thought, let me make a note of that mention it here on the show. Stephon Diggs, nine receptions, 118 receiving yards. He's been grading out wide receiver one in 2020. He's having a great year. John Brown, eight for 99. Gabriel Davis stepped up. He had four receptions, 70 yards, and scored one of those Josh Allen touchdowns. Now, on the Seattle side, ended up being okay, but it was uglier than the numbers would indicate. That's for sure, because Russell Wilson's stats look pretty good. 390 passing yards, three touchdowns. But he threw two bad picks, also rushed for a touchdown. He ended up getting 25 fantasy points, but he did not play great in this game. DJ Dallas got off to a good start, 
But then the game basically got out of hand, and then Travis Homer came in and started catching balls out of the backfield. But DJ Dallas at least got 10 fantasy points. Uh, Metcalf, another another big day, 7 for 108 and a touchdown. David Moore had a score as well on a long touchdown bomb. Seems like that's the only time David Moore scores. They throw him a 50-yard yep. touchdown or he does nothing. 4 for 71 there, and then Tyler Lockett, a very quiet game, 4 for 40. So... Uh, Buffalo, basically, from start to finish, Joe, there was no question they were the better of the two teams on the field, as we discussed earlier. Uh, there's no doubt that maybe traveling coast-to-coast had something to do with it. By the way, Seattle did not look great against Miami either when they had to travel mm-hmm. from one coast to the other. It's just the Dolphins kept kicking field goals. So maybe that's the deal. Seattle, when they have to travel, not so great. When they're home, much better. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. Yeah, well, look, this game also had the feel for at least a little while that maybe this wasn't going to be over before it even started. Uh, 288 of Josh Allen's uh, passing yards were in the first half. He was getting almost three seconds on average in the pocket. Now, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but in the NFL, that is. That that is a huge average, 2.8. That is stunning. And when you gave him enough time, he was finding guys like Gabriel Davis. I give a shout-out to Scott Bogman from this network on In This League, who is my podcast host of the DFS show. He was all over... Uh, Gabriel Davis this week, and it certainly paid mm-hmm. off. And uh, let me tell you, man, like it, this is tough here because there were turnovers. Russell Wilson, you know, you tried to do his best to get the team back in, but this is the most turnovers he's had in four years in a game between the interceptions and the fumble. So not a good game for them. Second road loss in a row. I told you it's, it's kind of tough right now. It's starting to creep in a little bit, but it's so weird because there's no home field advantage in Seattle. Used to be that place was so loud with the crowd and all that stuff. And that's not the case either. So you got to win some games on the road here. Otherwise the playoffs, it could be an early exit here for Seattle. And I know they got Jamal Adams back in this game, but didn't seem to matter much because that defense just did not get the job done against the bills. Yeah, so so who would you have as the favorite in the NFC at this point? Oh, that is a great question. After yesterday, it is tough. It is a complete grab bag. I can't say Green Bay just because I I just don't believe in them either. I'm going to still somehow I just defensively, I think Tampa still has the despite yesterday, which was awful, I still feel like it's Tampa because defensively they've looked the best of any of those teams on a consistent basis, except when they play New Orleans. So as long as they're not playing New Orleans, it's okay. Who do you think is the best team in the NFC? I I still say Seattle. I still say Seattle. Seattle, Tampa Bay, Green Bay. That sounds right. They're close. They're they're close. I mean, look, if New Orleans and Marshawn Lattimore is going to, you know, look, Marshawn Lattimore has just been destroying Mike Evans the last couple of years. It's crazy. It's like that's the game he gets up for. And those two guys have gotten into it before, obviously, on the sidelines a little bit. But, like, Lattimore has not been good this year. And then all of a sudden he gets, oh, is Mike Evans on the other side? Well, let me just shut him down. And that's just – it's so bizarre. If the New Orleans defense is going to play like they did last night, well, that might – you know, kind of get them back in that conversation too. But yeah. I don't want to get too crazy after one game. Yeah, me too. All right, Vikings and Lions, another game that was pretty much over before it started as the Vikings just ran all over Detroit two weeks in a row. They've now done this. Kirk Cousins, 220 passing yards and three touchdowns. He threw two to Irv Smith, who scored twice, also got 10 yards, so about 14 fantasy points. Probably not many people used him, but Dalvin Cook clearly was the star of this one, over 200 rushing yards, also 46 receiving yards and two touchdowns. And so the Vikings fantasy standouts were those three, Cousins, Cook, and Irv Smith. Now, over on the Detroit side, it, you know, things actually worked out for fantasy. I mean, Stafford threw for 200 yards, one touchdown, uh, also got hit and was in concussion protocol, so Chase Daniel came in. But uh, finally, DeAndre Swift ended up getting some fantasy points. That was fine. Amendola did okay. Marvin Jones ended up scoring a touchdown. And and even Hawkinson, who now is playing for a lot of people in 12-team leagues as a back-end tight end, 
continues to have some cr- pretty good weeks, and he scored. And so maybe that's the key, is that the Lions are just not going to be a great football team, but a pretty good fantasy team. That was the case yesterday. Yeah, uh, and Hawkinson, I think, is my big fantasy takeaway. We talked about him on the show this week. We talked about him on Sunday. Uh, as Who's the beneficiary with Kenny Galladay out again? It's going to be Hawkinson. It seems like he's the guy that's kind of stepping up a little bit in that void. He's getting more red zone attention. He's starting to become, I think, the fantasy tight end that we were all hoping maybe in his rookie season we'd see, and we kind of got spoiled last year, week one. He was so good out of the gate, we thought, oh, my God, is he going to be the guy who comes out of the gate rookie year, has a good year at tight end? Well, he wasn't, unfortunately, but – it's too early to give up on a guy like that with that kind of talent. And so far, it's getting better in year two. And I think going into year three, he's going to be right in that that middle tier, I think, of tight ends when all said and done for fantasy. Yeah. And coming up next, speaking of tight ends, the best in the business was on display yesterday. Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. Also a really good game between those two teams, Kansas City and Carolina. So we'll touch on those as well. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid and go to our website, SportsGrid.com. Catch all of our programming 24 hours a day. We're live 16 hours a day right now. We'll get a little bit more than that, too. We'll be right back. Joe and Craig here on FNP on this Monday. Don't go away. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. We don't talk enough about the Kansas City Chiefs because they're kind of boring. All they do is score a lot of points and win games. And isn't that what we're looking for in fantasy? You would think so. Uh, But it's very bizarre that they tend to play a lot of close games, and yesterday was no different. The Carolina Panthers also play a lot of close games, and yesterday was no different as well. So Joe and I will dive into this game, Chiefs and Panthers. Chiefs basically going right down to the end to escape a very, I think, exciting victory against Carolina. Mm -hmm. And Teddy Bridgewater played well in this one. We'll get to Carolina in a second. Uh, First, let's do Kansas City here. Mahomes, 45 pass attempts, 372 yards and four touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, quiet on the ground, but did score a touchdown through the air. He had three receptions, 20 yards, and a touchdown. Tyree Kill had a huge day. Ten receptions, 159 yards in the air. Demarcus Robinson also scored in this one. Of course, Nicole Hardman did not, because I played Nicole Hardman, and when I play him, he doesn't score. And when I don't, he does. Travis Kelsey, nine receptions, 113 yards, and two touchdowns there. Mahomes does a great job getting everyone involved in the offense. As you can see there, Hill with 10 receptions, no touchdowns, but everybody else basically scoring. Mahomes works everybody in. Now for Carolina, they have nothing to be ashamed of in this game because they played great. Teddy Bridgewater, Mm -hmm. 36 of 49, 310 passing yards and three touchdowns to go with a rushing touchdown for him at the Mm -hmm. end of the game to keep it close. McCaffrey had over 30 fantasy points, but as we discussed, we're waiting on injury news with him. Apparently, he has an injured shoulder. Curtis Samuel, maybe this is the beginning of something nice for Curtis Samuel. Would love to see that. Nine receptions, 105 for him. Also, a rushing touchdown. And then Robbie Anderson, who, shockingly enough, at the end of the season, is going to grade out as a wide receiver one. That's right, a wide receiver one. Nine receptions, 63 yards, 15 fantasy points for him. So, look. You could say, Joe, honestly, that the Chiefs have the same defensive issues as it looked like they had last year. It seems like they have these games where they disappear on defense. 
They had them last year, too, and then they rectified mm-hmm. that at the end of the year. But they've given up 30 points to the Panthers and 40 points to the Raiders over the last month. So, I mean, maybe they just get it straight. Maybe this is what the NFL is, Joe. Maybe that the bottom line is just outscoring your opponent gets it done because I look at Kansas City and Seattle, and if you want to match up two teams in terms of Super Bowl favorites and what the lowest odds are, <laughs> AC and Seattle, and neither of them play D. I was gonna say the overs over under is gonna be what sixty on that one. <laughs> I mean, let's be realistic. Uh, I don't know. Could be. Uh, look, Taco Charlton got hurt in this game too. That's another loss there, not to be uh, lost in the shuffle for that defense. He's gonna go on IR. Um, yeah, it's tough because the Kansas City Chiefs defense did play better, and as a fantasy defense this year, they've actually been pretty good because they do create turnovers, and obviously on special teams, they can create touchdowns when they have some athleticism with guys like Miko Hardman, what they're able to do, but it's tough because you're right. They do continuously let teams back into games, and sometimes it's like they play up or down to the opponents a little bit as well, so it's going to be tricky. It's going to be fascinating to see if in the second half they can kind of turn it on again when they have to, but from an offensive standpoint, they're just they're just in that whole other universe. It reminds me the most of when you watch those old Patriot teams when they had Randy Moss and everybody, and they were just running all over other teams, and nobody could figure out how to stop them. That's kind of where they are, and very similar to those teams, not a staggeringly good running game either. They ran the football enough. They didn't run it into the ground. It was about them just slinging the ball all over the place. And that's what the Chiefs are able to do here. And it's just been fun to watch. A uh, great game from Kelsey here too, which his game log has been up and down a little bit this year at times. So that was huge. And Mahomes, and look, you can run Mahomes out by himself on FanDuel if you want. You could run him out with other pieces if you want to do the Kelsey pairing, if you want to do the Tyreek Hill pairing. But the other takeaway here has got to be Teddy Bridgewater for me. Last couple weeks here, I've loved the play calling of Joe Brady. I mentioned it even in that Thursday night loss where, you know, we were a little tough on them. I thought the play calling was really good. I think Teddy Bridgewater is their guy. And it's funny because, you know, this was a guy that people thought would never play in the NFL again. And here he is. And all of a sudden, the Carolina Panthers, despite the record being eh, mediocre, they look like a good football team most of the time. They're still green, especially on defense. But my goodness, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, not just this week, but the last couple weeks, becoming part of this offense and getting him in there in clever, creative ways. There's a lot of good stuff happening in Carolina right now, and I think everybody should take notice of it. And Most of it's happened without Christian McCaffrey. He had a little bit of Christian McCaffrey in that offense today. Oh, I should say yesterday, and all of a sudden it looked even better at times. So they're exciting prospect-wise in 2021, no doubt about that. All right, let's move over to the NFC East. There hasn't been much exciting to talk about, but we did get a good game yesterday between the New York Giants and Washington football team as the Giants end up taking the victory. Daniel Jones, 23 of 34, 212 passing yards and a touchdown. Wayne Gallman scores for the second consecutive week, 14 carries, 68 yards. His reception was for a score. Sterling Shepard, 6 for 39, not much happening for him. Evan Engram, Ended up having 10 fantasy points, maybe a little bit more than that. Five uh, catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Actually, that's about 15, 16 fantasy points for them. Now, the Giants' game plan was really simple. It was basically, let's just let Washington make mistakes, and then we'll score. And that's basically what happened the entire game. They didn't do anything. They just gave the ball to Washington, and then they'd get either fumble or throw an interception, and then the Giants would kick a field goal and score a touchdown. So, unfortunately for Kyle Allen, his season is over. He's having surgery. He was 5 for 7 with 62 yards. So they're now down to their third-string quarterback, who you may know. It's Alex Smith, and his numbers in the end were okay, but unfortunately he did not play particularly well. He threw three interceptions, uh, did throw for over 300 yards, but it's going to be an uphill battle for him for sure. Antonio Gibson scored on a one-yarder. 
He uh, had three receptions, 35 yards, six carries, 20 yards. J.D. McKissick is actually an interesting name to see move forward because I don't know what Josh Allen – or I'm sorry, uh, Alex Smith was doing, but <laughs> it was either throw an interception or throw the ball to McKissick <laughs> over the middle. I mean, there was, there was, it was either I'm throwing a pick or I'm throwing to McKissick. So, look, McKissick may be viable. I don't know. He had nine catches in this game, 65 yards, and if this is who Alex Smith is going to be, you're going to get some fantasy points from McKissick, and we all need running backs. McLaurin, seven receptions, 115 and a touchdown, and Sims had three for 110. So uh, Giants continue, Joe, to be making money for everybody this season, and I know that in, and in the end the standings are not going to show it, but they're going to be one of the best betting teams in the NFL this year. Yeah, yeah, competitive. They are a competitive team. They they just refuse to lie down, and I, I keep attributing that to the coaching staff, and Joe, Joe Judge has been able to do there, kind of changing the culture, because I think the year before – all you saw was them laying down most of the time. So that's great. And and stood up too. Let's not get lost in the shuffle. The uh the benching of Golden Tate in this game for mouthing off about, you know what? That's not gonna happen here. No, you're either with us and what we're doing and we sink or swim together, or you're not gonna play. And a lot of players might not like that discipline, but you know what? Seems like everybody's responding to it. It's a big win for the Giants. It's a second win against Washington so far. So who knows with that crazy NFC East, if anybody's ever really out of it. Uh, and Terry McLaurin, boy, that's another guy too. Two takeaways for me in this game is Terry McLaurin just uh, unsinkable, unbelievable. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback, whether it's Haskins, whether it's Allen, whether it's Alex Smith. It doesn't matter. Somehow Terry McLaurin finds a way. You know, Colt McCoy out there, whoever else they had to play with last year at times. I can't even remember some of the guys that Washington was throwing out there last year. It was such a blur. But that dude's just been unbelievable. It was good to see Evan Ingram. Finally make good on some of the targets. You talked about him being the most targeted tight end in football, but you would never know it from the fantasy points. Well, he finally got a touchdown, so that's good. We'll see if that continues on. And we also mentioned that, I think, on Friday on Start and Sit. If Golden Tate was going to be out, keep in mind, Evan Ingram might be able to cash in a little bit more on those opportunities he did. Let's see if that trend continues. I don't know if it will, but at least for one more day, the Giants continue to kick things around and stay in this NFC East debacle of a race, which is all you can call it right now. And that was a competitive game. And sometimes bad teams make competitive games. That was also the case yesterday between Houston and Jacksonville. These two teams are not good, but it made for a good game. And it went right down to the wire here. Good quarterback play on both sides, in particular Deshaun Watson. Another great game for him. 280 passing yards, 50 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. So he did exactly what you were looking for. Now, David Johnson did play early on in this game, but he left with a concussion. He got really smashed on a uh, on a reception, didn't come down with the ball. Duke Johnson came in, so maybe that is a pickup in fantasy this week. We'll have to see. 16 carries, 41 rushing yards, four receptions, 32 yards, and a touchdown. Duke Johnson's always going to catch the ball out of the backfield, so he could be viable moving forward. Will Fuller, five receptions, 100 yards. He basically undercut a defender, caught the ball, ran 50 yards for a touchdown. Cooks also had an early long touchdown as well. Jacksonville's defense is just not very good, and uh, and Cooks had a really good day if you played him. Now, on the side of the Jaguars, it'll be interesting to see going forward what happens here now that there is some video <laughs> on Luton because basically he was just running all over the place, just chucking the ball up. And made some good decisions, made some bad decisions, but in the end, his numbers were solid. 30, uh, 26 to 38, 304 passing yards, threw for two touchdowns, rushed for one, also threw a pick. It was a, it was a bad one. Uh, James Robinson, 25 carries, 99 rushing yards and a touchdown for him. DJ Shark, seven receptions, 148 and a score. And then Chris Conley got back involved in the action, seven receptions, 
52 yards. I, I would say that my takeaway from Houston Jacksonville is this. I think people are going to get real excited about seeing Luton. And uh, I think I don't think that this is going to happen every week. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, Houston's defense <laughs> is really bad, bad. Yeah. and they and, and they're worse than I think any defense I've seen play this year. They literally can't stop anybody. And and I, and I give Luton and Jacksonville credit for staying in this game, but I don't put Jacksonville as an example in the same category as Carolina. I think Carolina is coming, and I and I see good oh, things sure. coming for them. I just think that this was a really uh, a favorable matchup and Houston has been a favorable matchup for everybody in the NFL this season. So uh, I, I don't look at Jacksonville as a threat at all offensively. I just think that this was the right matchup at the right time. And if you played the guys on their team, you cashed in, but I'd be very careful with them moving forward. I think that there's going to be a ground hit soon. <laughs> with that. Probably. Well, look, Houston makes everybody look good. Like you said, and this is one of the things we talked about on game day here on sports grid on this past Sunday was James Robinson on Fanduel was really priced. Well, he was one of the better returns. In fact, even I think on FST, we talked about him too, you know, the check downs or, or what we're going to do support the young quarterback, just get James Robinson, the football uh, enough. And you could see 25 carries. That is a lot of carries. You don't see 25 very often nowadays in the NFL. So that was huge. You gave him the football. He returned investment. He would think 7,300, which is a great value there. And a lot of lamenting on social media out there of all these people who had DJ Shark on their bench. And I understand why. You have a new quarterback. You don't understand what's going on. Shark's been hurt. He's been up and down, unfortunately, because of the injuries. He was healthy in this game. He looked great in this game. I mean, geez, seven for 148 and a touchdown. That's what you drafted him for. That's what you were hoping for. Maybe he salvages his season with a good second half here. We'll see. But I think you're right. I think people will take maybe too much away from this Luton performance because it was against the Houston Texans. And I want to give the Texans a little credit, too, on offense. You know, ever since that they made that change with Bill O'Brien, they've been very aggressive downfield with Cooks, with Fuller, and it has changed significantly, at least their approach and the productivity of the offense, which is great. Uh, also, J.J. Watt reached 100 sacks in his career, too. He's in that career numbers now and names in terms of when he's gotten it. We're talking about Lawrence Taylor and guys like that. So... He's in that Hall of Fame conversation, no doubt about that. But Will Fuller going into the season was a risk. We talked about him at length on this program and many others as well about being a risk worth taking. And so far, the dude has stayed on the field. And so far, he has been a wide receiver two slash three most of the season. I mean, actually more like a wide receiver two when you look at the touchdown numbers. So it's been a really good reward for those of you who took the risk on Will Fuller this season. Yeah, and, and, and I think that both teams are not going to win a lot the rest of the season, but it was a really good match. It was a very exciting game, but, uh, you know, I, I've watched all the games this year. I watched every game, and, and this one also as well. And I can tell you that while Luton is going to be looked at with good stats and good numbers, and he should, and he should get a lot of credit for bringing them back, if he plays like this any other week in the NFL, he's going to throw five interceptions next week. I, there is no way that he can do what he did again coming up this week. Well, maybe he will, and I'll be completely wrong. All right, uh, coming up next, Tennessee, Chicago, not the most exciting game in the world, so we saved it for the end of the first hour. That's what we do. We'll be right back on Sports Grid. Fantasy Sports Today, don't go SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
And welcome back as we wrap up this hour of Fantasy Sports today. Don't forget, we're back with another hour coming up in less than five minutes from now, so make sure you stay on the grid. Let's go through it real quick here, Joe. Titans and Chicago Bears. We saved one of the dull games for the end of this segment, but don't leave our show. Stay tuned. we got exciting games coming up, but this one was, well, not one of them. Ryan Tannehill, 10 of 28, 158 passing yards. He threw two touchdowns. Derrick Henry... A good Bears defense just didn't do much in this game. A.J. Brown, four receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Jonu Smith ended up scoring in this one, two receptions, 32 yards. It was really more of the story as to what was going on with the Bears, which was not much. Nick Foles, 36 of 52. Yes, you see that right. 36 of 52 <laughs> passes. The Bears will never win throwing 52 passes. And he threw two touchdowns. Ryan Nall was the leading catcher. We don't even have a leading rusher here because nobody rushed for them at all. Uh, Robinson, 7 of 81, Miller, 5 for 59, Jimmy Graham, 6 for 55. And I know Mooney had a decent game because I had to play him, got stuck playing him in one league too. But, ah, the Bears are just gross, Joe. It's just no fun to watch, no fun to, no fun to be around, no fun to have anyone on their team. You're guessing outside of Allen Robinson every week, and now Montgomery has a concussion. So, mm-hmm. I got nothing. Nope. It's, bad it's not good. And look, if Trubisky had been healthy, you could make the argument that they might have gone to him at the half. But he's not. Right now, he's banged up too, so it wasn't an option. And I won't even hang it all on Foles because in this game, for me, it was about how dreadful the offensive line. I don't care how good of a quarterback you are. If you have you know one second to drop back and three guys are on top of you, you're not going to be able to make plays. And that's basically what happened here for most of the game with Foles. And, you know, you have great quarterbacks like, you know, Kyler Murray who can avoid all that kind of pass rush and then make plays. Nick Foles is not that guy, okay? And that is where we're at right now with the Bears. It's a bad situation. This is another, I think this is the fourth loss now in a row or third loss in a row for them. Fourth. It's not fourth. good. Fourth, right? Yeah, we are yeah. up to four. I thought we were. Okay, fourth loss in a row. We'll see if Trubisky trends better this week in terms of health, but I don't know. Something's got to give here. Uh, it feels like Nagy's just going to go down with the ship here with Foles, and I don't think he should. Yeah, they got off to a good start, and if they just scratch out a couple of wins between now and the end of the season, they have a shot at the playoffs because of the extra team getting in, but they have looked rough. And Montgomery's injury is one to watch this week, too, because remember, whoever their backup running back is on the waiver wire right now. Right back with more fantasy sports today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 